You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Colossians chapter number two, we're going to be and I'm going to finish this particular message and we're going through the book of Colossians, but as we go through uh, I'm, I'm trying to give you what's going on in, in the, ver- the verse-by-verse context of the book, but every once in a while we'll uh, kind of pause and emphasize something that's been emphasized in the background, and we read all the references to the Lord Jesus Christ, how often Paul refers to Him and He and over and over again. And I asked you the question, what do you need? Because I want to say that in truth, all we really need is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, tonight and the bible says here in colossians 2 i'm just going to read verses 9 and 10 to start with the bible says for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the godhead bodily and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power so these are the verses that we uh, are at in our verse by verse study But I want to pause to emphasize what was going on here once again in the book of Colossians. What still goes on today is that much is said about the Lord Jesus Christ that's just not true. Uh, Most world religions will recognize Jesus in some form or the other. But the fact of the matter is, is that just recognizing Him, just trying to give honor to Him as a prophet or as a... um, you know, a good man or whatever, uh, isn't enough. I'll tell you that right now. And of course, years ago, it was, it was said and stated. I believe Josh McDowell wrote a whole book about it. But, uh, but, it, but, the, but the thing was, is Jesus Christ could not have been just a good man or a good religious teacher or a prophet because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the only way to heaven. Good people don't go around telling other folks that if it's not true. Right, and uh, I, I was able—I uh, was actually able to have that uh, op- uh, that conversation with a uh, with a young uh, Muslim lady. I can't remember where she was from, uh, India or somewhere uh, down in just right off off the campus there in Ames, Iowa, a number of years ago. And she said, "I believe he's a good man. I believe he's a prophet." And I was able to have that, but. Uh, Just because people give Jesus Christ a nod isn't enough. And that's what these false teachers were doing. They wouldn't deny Christ. Uh, Satan doesn't deny Christ. He just tries to pervert the true teaching of Christ. And so the false teachers that were attacking the church church at Colossae, they attacked Christ's person. And and an attack on his person was also an attack on his position. On his position. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in turn, and what I want to emphasize in just a moment tonight, is that this in turn is an attack on Christ's power in and through your life. Now make no mistake about it. If you're here tonight and you do not know Christ as Savior, Satan's main objective is to get you to believe, uh, number one, in another Christ. Uh, honestly, he spends most of his time not necessarily trying to get people to deny that who Christ is, he, he's okay if you just believe in a, in a different Christ. And there's only one Christ, but he's okay if you believe in the Christ that you just throw in with your church and your baptism and so forth. Uh, he's okay with that. So if you don't know Christ, his objective is to, get, is to take you to hell. Bottom line, if you do know Christ, 
Now, he can't, praise God, hallelujah, let me tell you something. If you know Christ as your Savior, praise God, let me tell you, you have an eternal, everlasting life. Amen? You are a child of God. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. But what Satan now wants to do, and this goes from the youngest to the oldest, is he wants to hinder the power of Christ from working in and through your life. And so that's a part of what, see, because the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're saved, there's nothing Satan can do about that. But how many of you know that Satan can play a part in robbing you of your joy and of your peace, of your purity, uh, of, your, of your persistence and your walk in Christ? I mean, listen, if you've been saved any amount of time at all, you know that there's a a real battle uh, out there today. So, Colossians 2, uh, notice as we go on here, we've read verses 9 and 10, but notice if you would, verse number, let's see, in him him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, um, go down to verse number uh, verse number 12, buried with him in baptism, where, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. I'll also notice quickly, going back over to the left, let's look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 just for a moment. The Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell. And... What he's just trying to emphasize from a doctrinal standpoint is this. Fullness, that word means when the Bible says in, within Jesus Christ dwells all the fullness of God, what that means is the sum total of all that God is, all of his being and attributes abide in Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Therefore, in him all fullness dwells. Now, the gulf between heaven and earth was bridged in the incarnation of Jesus Christ because we know it was declared when He came that He shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. But man, it goes beyond that because the message tonight not only tells us that Jesus Christ came to be God with us, but He went to the cross, He shed His precious blood, He rose again so that He might be God in us. Amen. He came to be God with us, but if you're saved, He is God in us. Amen. And that makes all the difference in the world. And that's why I say all that you need is Jesus. So it's important to understand this, that when the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, it's all the importance in the world. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God, and that fullness dwells with Him permanently and in Him bodily. What's more, this same Jesus and His fullness reside within those who know Christ as Savior. I'll say that again. So within Jesus Christ is all the fullness of God bodily. All the power, all the attributes. Jesus is all that. But then when you get saved, the Bible says now Christ is in you. So now this Christ within whom all fullness dwells now fills us who are saved. And I just got to say that, that, that if Jesus dwells in us, uh, then what, poss- what more could we possibly need if we have all the fullness of God living on the inside of us? 
And the point that he's trying to teach here, going into verse number 8, you know, he, he warned of philosophy, vain deceit. We taught several weeks on that in chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. But why follow empty philosophy when we have all fullness in Christ? I, I, I feel sorry for people sometimes because, did you know for some people, it seems like sometimes the Bible and Christ isn't enough. The truth of who Jesus Christ is doesn't seem to be enough for some people and they've got to find something more exciting or more exhilarating. Folks, I don't know anything more exhilarating than that truth. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So what happens is people follow vain philosophies or people follow sin. This is like This is like people turning away from the satisfying river to drink at dirty cisterns of the world. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13, the Bible says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That's some kind of picture, isn't it? Here's the fountain of living waters. Here is that that water of life that Jesus promised the woman at the well. That that which he promised in Matthew or in John 7 when he said, Whosoever believeth on me, out out of his belly, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. But he says, My people have forsaken that fresh, living, soul quenching water. And they're turning to the world. They're turning to broken cisterns. They're turning to drink out of a dirty pond or dirty puddle or a broken cistern. We're turning to things that we think are going to satisfy us. I'm trying to tell you, all that you need is in Jesus Christ. And that's just not a message to the unsaved. It's to us as God's people. Jesus is all that we need. And so, as we uh, consider this further, of course, the false teachers, as I've already said of Colossae, did not ask believers to forsake Christ. They asked them to make Christ a part of their new system. But this would only remove him from his rightful place. See, the key, as we're going to see in just a moment, is preeminence. Paul gave the true and lasting antidote to all false teaching, and that is this, all fullness is in Christ, and that we have been made complete in Him. So, therefore, as God's people, we don't need to turn to self-righteousness, nor do we need to turn to sin, because that, that, that is kind of the battle because there are some people that get plumb full of themselves and proud of themselves and think of all that they are, they're accomplishing and how much better they are than someone else. Well, folks, that's no way to live. That's not how God wants us to live. When, when we live in Christ and we have a relationship with Him, we realize, man, that all we are is in Christ. And I am what I am by the grace of God. And when you spend time in the light of Jesus' face... Uh, <laughs> You don't leave the presence of God proud. I'll just put it that way. Anytime we're displaying pride, anytime, I tell you what we're doing normally is we're finding other people to compare ourselves to. And, and that can be an easy thing to do. We, we can look, you can even look as a y- younger Christian on, on how you're growing and, 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 and maybe you're growing at a pace and at a rate that seems to be faster than someone else. And if you're not careful, you can begin to kind of cast judgment and throw some shade on people that don't seem to be growing at the same rate that you are. 
But always remember that you are what you are by the grace of Almighty God. So the fundamental test of any religious teaching, or, because I'm going to bring this more to a practical level tonight, the fundamental test of any religious teaching or any life is this. Here's the, here's the litmus test, if you will. Where does it place Jesus Christ? So if it's a religion, where does this religion, where does this so-called church place Jesus Christ? Who do they say that He is? Or in our lives, where do you place Christ? And we'll emphasize that more in just a moment. Where does a certain religion place His person and His work? Does it present an unbalanced picture of grace and grit? Does it rob Him of His fullness? Does it deny either His deity or His humanity? Does it affirm that the believer must have some new experience to supplement his experience with Christ? If so, that teaching is wrong and dangerous. See, there's those that say, oh, you got saved, you have Christ, that's wonderful. Now you need to add this to, you, to your life. And I'm telling you, there's well-meaning people that can do that. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Amen. Amen. Uh, there's those uh, that, that would talk about a second blessing. You know, you, you get saved and now you need a second blessing. Man, let me tell you something. We've got all that we need in Christ. He's it. Uh, we, when, when we talk about seeking God, we're not trying to add something to our lives. We're trying to access something and uh, uh, hone into something that's already there. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have everything. We talk about it a lot. But I'm telling you, you have everything you need right now. You have everything you need right now. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, was, I was thinking about this. I've given the illustration before, but uh, it was the only thing that was coming to mind that I was sitting there this evening. But I was thinking of, uh, what was it, Rand, uh, William Randolph Hearst? Was that uh, the fellow's name? Uh, Citizen Kane was based after him. He's a famous editor, wealthy man. He loved art. And uh, he, as a matter of fact, he loved art so much, he, he, he had several warehouses built across the country that was filled with uh, art, a lot of rare pieces. And while reading through a magazine one day, uh, Mr. Hurst uh, came across a, um, a piece of art that was, they were talking about in this particular publication. And he thought, I've got to have that. I've got to have that. So Mr. Hurst uh, went about to uh, hire a, uh, a whole firm that would begin to search and try to find this, looking everywhere, uh, paying an immense amount of money. They searched and they searched and they looked and they looked. Finally, he fired them because they came back and said, we cannot find this piece that you're looking for. Well, finally, he hired another guy that was a, was a, was a renowned investigator, and he paid this man. And this man, again, he paid, he paid his expenses to go all over the... He, I mean, he's going to, he's going to uh, Florence. He's going to uh, Paris. He's going all over the world. I want to try to track down this piece of art that uh, Mr. Hurst is looking for. Finally, after, after, much, money, after much time and money spent, <clears throat> that investigator comes back and tells him, he says, Mr. Hurst, he said, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. He said, the good news is... I have found the peace, and I'm emphasizing peace uh, because I want to try to do a play on words there, right? But I have found the peace that you've been looking for. He said, the bad news is you've been looking for it all this time, 
but it's in your warehouse over here in another place. In other words, you've had it all along. And if you're here and you're a child of God, you need to quit looking outside of Jesus for what you need. You need to quit thinking that you're inadequate where you are right now. Now, you may be in your flesh, but remember this. The one in whom all fullness dwells lives within you too. Amen. That's, I mean, you've got everything you need right now. You need to quit looking in the world and quit looking in religion uh, for it. It's in Christ. I love what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse, 9, or verse 18. The Bible says that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See that? Filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Not of something on the outside, but of something on the inside. So the key is preeminence. Jesus Christ is numero uno. You didn't know I could speak Spanish so well, did you? Ah, can you translate that, Evan? He, he's got to be number one. Danny's impressed. Ah, somebody says, before you start into tongues like that, you need an interpreter. But uh, Jesus Christ is number one. Notice what the Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 18. 1, 18. The Bible says, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. <laughs> you start in a band, Jesus isn't going to be the drummer in your band. Jesus isn't going to be, no offense to Trey you, Jesus is not going to be the backup singer for your group. Jesus is out front. Jesus is not going to be your co-pilot. Jesus is not going to be your assistant coach. Jesus is not going to be a bench warmer for you, for your life. See, and I'm telling you, you say, well, of course, I mean, uh, but, but that's where people, including God's people sometimes, want to keep Him. We got this, Lord. I'll let you know when I need you. I'll call on you when you, I, I need you. I'd love for you to sing back up in my life, Lord Jesus. But Jesus, no, no, I'm up here singing the lead. I got lead guitar. I got lead vocals. I'm not sitting second chair in the orchestra. I'm sitting first chair. I'm sitting up in front. I am the preeminent one. Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. Folks, He is Lord. Now, so when it comes to the preeminence of Christ, we mentioned last week, so I'll say, or last time I preached, well, uh, that He is the way, He's all you need in salvation. Praise God. You, you, you don't need church. You don't need to do better. You don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. You just need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You don't need to clean up your life. You just need to get saved. Amen. You need to just turn to Christ, get saved, and He'll save you. You just need Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful message? And I mean, because the message of grace is the message that Jesus is the only way. So when it comes to salvation, Jesus is all that you need. 
And we talked about that before, but that's something we need to understand. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I mentioned this before. There's a, there's, you know, I follow some polls, and there was a recent poll, and it was an interesting poll because they were, uh, they were surveying church people, people that called themselves Christians in America. And it was interesting how that there was a large percentage of them that said, we do believe the Bible is absolute truth. We believe Jesus died on the cross. We believe He's God. We believe all. They, they believed that there was a good majority that believed so many of these fundamental things. But it was interesting when it come down to, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? The same group of people, it like dropped down to like 40% or something like that. Now, I'd hate to think that that was the case here, but if it is, I would challenge you on the truth of God's Word and the truth of God's grace. Folks, Jesus is indeed the only way. But not only is He the only way and all that you need in salvation, Jesus is all that you need in sanctification. So getting saved isn't the end of your journey as a child of God. It's just the beginning. Uh, You need to be saved if you're not saved. But if you are saved, now God has a work that He's doing in your life. A part of that work is sanctification. The the word sanctification, the definition of it is this. The act of making holy. The act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted to a supreme love to God. The second definition was simply this. The act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. Let me tell you something wonderful. If you're here tonight and you've been saved, you also have been sanctified. Your life, God has a sacred purpose for you. Does that sound wonderful? Now now to you, you may when I say God has a sacred purpose, you, you may imagine some monastery or something somewhere. But it's just simply to say that you have been chosen. And you want to know something interesting though? A part of that sacredness, it may involve... Farming may involve welding. It may involve accounting. It may involve politics. It may involve a number of different things. It may involve being a housewife. It may involve just being a student in school. But it's that your life is now being set apart and the life that you live is to be a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And and that's the sacredness of it. Uh, you, You are no longer meant for a common purpose if you're saved by God's grace. He's got a holy, a sacred purpose for you. Notice Colossians 1.27. This is uh, the big key that I've been re- referring to many times. Colossians 1.27. The Bible says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if you've got a Bible tonight, I would encourage you to highlight that verse and to circle that Christ in in you if you're using your phone i didn't still encourage you to highlight it i'd encourage you to memorize it christ in you the hope of glory see the remarkable thing is is that every believer shares in the fullness that's mentioned in colossians 2 verse 10 go to chapter 2 now verse 10 and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power Every child of God shares in that fullness. 
And this is cool. The tense of the Greek verb indicates that this fullness is a permanent experience. When a person is born again into the family of God, he is born complete. That's one of the reasons why the Bible talks about us being adopted. Adopted. We're born again into the family of God, but the Bible also says we're adopted into the family of God. The idea behind adoption is when, when in the Greek culture, when you were adopted, you would immediately be, have a right to your inheritance. You would basically be given the right of an adult, which is just simply to say that the moment we were saved, we got everything that we needed. It is right here in us. See, the spiritual growth for a child of God is not by addition, but by nutrition. The child of God is to grow from the inside out. Nothing needs to be added to Christ because He is already the very fullness of God. And as the believer draws on Christ's fullness, he is filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3.19, which we just read a moment ago. So the idea I'm just trying to say is this, for sanctification, do you want to be all that God has called you and saved you to be? I hope that you do. Well, if you do, it's in Jesus. You say, there's some things I need to add to my life. It may be true you need to add them, but we're not adding them from out here, we're adding them from in here. They're already there. We're, we're, we're making withdrawals on the bank account. We're, we're cashing some checks here. We're, we're using what God has already given us. We've given the example, I'll tell you, used it again in Sunday school, I believe this uh, past week about that I've given many times, but it's used there again, talking about our riches. You've got all the riches in Christ. Every temptation you ever face. For anything that God ever wants you to uh, do for Him. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, I mean, whatever it is that God wants, whatever temptation you face, whatever uh, you need during a time of trial or heartache or pain, you've got it. You've got it. You've got it in Christ. And we've just got to learn by God's grace to access that. We're going around poor a lot of times. And what's worse is we're God's people, and not only we're going around acting like we're poor, we're going around poor-mouthing while we're at it. How many of you want to hear a millionaire whine? Not me. Not me. And you know what? We are so much better off than a millionaire because there's nothing that we face that we don't have in Christ. Just by faith, we need to start learning to access what we already have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have it all in Him. We have it all. We have all we need for sanctification. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. I like what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. See, we look too often to ourselves. I talk to people. I challenge people. say, man, God wants to use your life. But they say, oh, look at me. And we spend time looking at ourselves. You ever look at yourself? How impressed are you? I'm not asking some of you, but um, for a lot of us, we may not be very impressed. And I don't just mean from a physical standpoint. Uh, I took a, uh, man, I, I tell you, we've got to figure the thumbnails out on, uh, on YouTube. Now, some of you don't know what a thumbnail is, but a thumbnail is the part of the video where it stops and kind of, you know, that's the picture. If you look at the video, that's what there. Michael learned to do it good. I think these guys know how to do it, but they're messing with me. I shared a picture with Melanie today. I had a thumbnail, and it was like this. Now, you watch. That's going to be the one for this one, too. Um, I wasn't impressed, all right? Uh, but here's the thing. 
We spend too much of our Christian lives looking at us. Why aren't, why, why, why aren't we living a, 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 a more complete life? Why aren't we living a victorious life? Well, because, let me tell you about this problem I have and this weakness I have and this and that other thing I have. But I like what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. And let me tell you something about the, the, the idea behind this. Every time you hear that verse, many of you are familiar with it, some of you may not be. Looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. That looking unto Jesus, it doesn't just mean like I'm doing up here tonight. It doesn't mean to be scanning. It's not, you know, I'm looking at Richard now. It's not that looking into Richard, okay, look, fine, done. No. The idea is more like looking unto Jesus means looking to Him and looking away from everything else. You done that lately? That's what Connie was talking about earlier. Uh, sometimes we just need to look away from everything else and just look at Jesus. Amen? Looking unto Jesus. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, the Bible it does not say work for your own salvation. Amen? It says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you. So what are we working out? We're complete in Him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're working out what He's already put in there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so, uh, for, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We have all that we need for sanctification. We have all that we need for service. Um, Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, if you'll allow me, I'm going to try to bring this down and share a number of verses with you here tonight to try to bring this out to a close. Jesus is all we need to live this life. In other words, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It is Jesus. Man, you guys, some of you have already started school. Some of you are starting school tomorrow. Some of you may not start school to next week. There's some that will be starting college next week. Uh, you know, whatever it, is, whatever it is that we're facing in our day, before the students today... You've got a lot ahead of you this year. You've got temptations out there you don't know about. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty that's ahead of you today. For us as God's people, as parents, we have challenges that lie ahead of us, right? Uh, teachers have uh, uh, challenges. We've got teachers here in the church. They've got challenges that lie ahead of them this year. Uh, we just on a daily basis have challenges. But it kind of goes back to everything I've been saying, but it's Jesus Christ who will enable us. Now, I just had a cool thing happen in Bible study today. Man, study your Bible. I mean, if you're not reading your Bible, start there. But read it, study it. And when you're reading your Bible, a good way to study your Bible is when you're reading your Bible, just try to listen. And you say, well, I started reading it and I just didn't understand it. Well, that's good. Because now you've got something to study. Now you got something to stop and say, what does that mean? What's that even talking about? That's a good question. Find out what it's talking about. And it may just change your life. It may just change your life. But I was looking today, and I was looking for that word enabled. And I can only find it one time in the Bible, enabled. But when I looked it up, I found it one time, but I thought, well, I wonder how many times that word that is translated enabled is used. And so, and it was used a number of times. And I looked up the word enabled, and the meaning of the word enabled is this, to empower 
to strengthen, to make strong. So when the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, what that's telling us is that he, it's obvious to tell us He's the one that enables us. Preacher, you just don't know me. I'm just not that strong. Good. Because He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. When the Bible says He helped with our infirmities, our infirmities is just our weaknesses. Sometimes it's illness, but oftentimes it just means our weaknesses. Dude, did I just say that? You're looking tonight at a very weak person tonight. You're looking at an extremely limited person tonight. I'm here to tell you that it is the grace of Almighty God that has enabled me. I've been preaching. I said it just, I've been preaching for 26 years. I've been married for 24 years. Um, I mean, this guy's a mess, man. My wife will tell you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just here to tell you. Oh, I'm just this, I'm just that. Man, you ain't worse than me. You ain't worse than me, I'll tell you that. But it's not about me. It's about my God who enables me. Hallelujah. Amen. And so He will enable you. Okay, look at this. So I talked about this and I just started looking up these verses. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul said this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. That's the one time I found the word. For that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. What's God called you to do? Where has God put you in your life? If He's put you there, He'll enable you. Whatever grade you're in, whatever you're fighting physically right now, whatever you're fighting emotionally right now, Wherever place you are right now, whatever phase you are in your life, whatever season you are in your life, let me tell you something. He will enable you. He will strengthen you. The Bible says this. I just want to give you a couple more examples of how the word is used. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, verse 22, this is as talking about Paul as he was growing in faith. The Bible says, but Paul increased. Paul increased. How did Paul get to be the kind of man of God he was? He increased. You know what that word is? It's the same word for enabled, which lets us know it wasn't of Paul. It was God doing it. Paul, Saul increased. That was his name before he was called Paul. Saul increased the more in strength. Strength, same thing. The word, the idea of enabling. It's not his, him increasing of himself. It's not his strength. It's coming from God. Romans chapter 4 verse 20. The Bible says, He staggered not, talking about Abraham, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith. Strong in the faith. That word, was strong, you know what that is? It's enabled. It's just letting us know that his was strong in the faith didn't come from him. He was enabled by God Almighty to be strong in the faith. Uh, uh, Philippians 4.13, strengtheneth me. Uh, I've already said that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Be strong. You know what he's saying right there? Let God enable you. Let God enable you. Because it's not about our strength, it's about His strength. 
Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 17, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And there again, uh, was uh, that, that strengthened means it was God's strength. And I'll just share one last one with you. Hebrews eleven thirty four. the Bible talks about these who, uh, who, who were faithful unto death. The Bible says they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and notice this, out of weakness were made strong. Out of weakness, we're made strong. Oh, I'm so weak. I'm so anemic. Good. Because you've got a God on the inside of you that will show Himself strong on your behalf. Amen. So, why? Because, because out of weakness, they were made strong. And again, that were made strong is enabled. Now, how, what, what is our part? Our part, and I'm, just, I'm bringing this down here, so just bear with me. Your part and my part... Ryan, is to yield. Our part is to yield. It's to say, okay, Lord, you've saved me. You've called me. You've enabled me. Lord, I'm going to yield to your lordship. That's where we started off, the preeminence of Christ, and that's where we're going to end tonight. Yield. The Bible says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, as members as, as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know, one of the things that's supposed to help us yield is sin, is one of them. You ever get, I talk about this a lot, do you ever get aggravated yourself, the things that cross your mind? Anybody like to share everything that crossed your mind this week or today? Would you like just to be able to play it up on the television right there for everybody to see? I mean, I get, I mean, I'm telling you. Do you ever just think, dude, you're awful? Amen? But you don't want to know something? You, know, you want to know why sometimes it seems like you're awful? Because <laughs> you are. Your old nature is awful. And we need, to, we need to be reminded of that. I, don't, I, I do get it because of the, of the way teaching... People haven't been taught properly. But I'm telling you, man, our old nature is still just as wicked as it's ever been. And this idea, when we're thinking how good we're going to be, that's where we get prideful because, oh man, look how holy I'm living. Look how clean I'm living. Look how separated I am. And we think about how great we are, but we forget. And then all of a sudden we we're tempted or we sin or something of that nature. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I guess there's no hope for me. I'm a total mess. And, and, and the problem is, is that we fail to decipher between an understanding that, no, I, I, that's who I am. That's who you are. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But I'm going to yield my life. I'm not going to yield to sin I'm going to acknowledge the fact and be like, Lord, whew, I'm a mess. Therefore, I need you to help me. I need your power. I need your strength. I'm going to yield to you, okay? So sin helps us to learn to yield. Trials help us to learn to yield. Because we can't do it. I tell you, you know, Trey, you preached a three-message series on it that was very good, going through troubles and trials and things. But it'll teach us how that we need to depend on Him, okay? So, so therefore, there can be fruit in your failure. You know, the devil's so tricky. He, he'll, he'll tempt you, you'll fail. Then he'll jump on you with all four feet and try to keep you down after you failed and beat you up over failing. Folks, failure can be fruitful. The Bible says a good man falls seven times, but what does he do? 
Rise up again, amen. You get kicked out, you just get up again, amen. Oh, preacher, you don't know what I've done. God knows what you've done, and He'll forgive you. He's not done with you, amen. Man, He'll forgive you, He'll help you. There's, there can be fruit from your failure. But we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'll ask you, I'll kind of end where I started again, as I've already said. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is He number one? Is He number one in your life? That's where we've got to get to in our lives. We've got to make sure that Jesus is everything. Put Him first. And this, this is something you do tonight, but I want to let you know something. It's something you need to do tomorrow as well. It's something you may need to do several other times tomorrow. Because if you're not careful, you can put yourself first. But you know what that takes? It takes faith to put God first. Bible says, in all your ways acknowledge Him. All your ways. Can you do that? Is Jesus Christ number one with the decisions you're making in life? You know, I can't think, to help but think about the, the guys that are starting school or have already started school. But it applies to all of us. But I think about you. Most of you have got an idea about what God wants you to do, about what you want to do with your life, and that just may be what God wants you to do with your life. But what if God told you right now, no, I want you to do this instead. I want you to go here instead. I want you to, I mean, is God number one in your life? Is He Lord? Is He number one? That's, that's, that's the place that we've got to get in our life, to where He's preeminent. Lord Jesus, I want to submit myself to You. I want to submit my plans to you. I want to submit my future unto you. Whatever it may be, I submit my life to you. Let me tell you something. Can you trust Jesus that much? Can I please get this to you? Will you listen to me right now? Will you please, please, please listen? And I'm going to try to close with this, okay? Jesus loves you. God loves you so, so much. If you question that, I want you to look at the cross. You may be struggling. It is a struggle to put Jesus first, isn't it? Isn't, and it, isn't it terrible that we, can't, that we have a hard time trusting God and we think our way is better, but we do. It's just human nature, which is a sinful nature. But I want you to know Jesus loves you. So if He's the Lord of your life and He's telling you, and some things you don't have to pray about, right? We don't have to pray about some of the clear teachings of God's Word. So if, if you, you know what God's telling you and you don't like it, and you think God's trying to keep something from you, remember, that's always a lie of the devil. He loves you like crazy. Therefore, you can trust Him. Why would God do this? Someone may say. Lord, I'll submit to you, and I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere except for this. Lord, I'll give up anything, I'll put you number one in everything except for this. See, but that's not the way it works. Because well, you know what you're saying right there? Just say it this way, Jesus, who loved me enough to shed your blood for me, die for me on the cross, I can't trust you with my life. I can't trust you with my future. I can't trust you with my finances. No, 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 no. I'm going to trust me instead. I'm going to trust me. Now, that's not, not what any of us want to say, but that's what we're saying when we refuse to let Jesus be the Lord of our lives in every area. It's hard, it's a challenge, but I'm just trying to tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. And you, you don't want to know what Jesus wants to do for you. I thought about this. I thought about this. What does he want to do for you? He loves you so much. The Bible says this. I, I've used it a lot here lately, but in Romans chapter number 8, the Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up freely for us all, 
How will he not with him also freely? What does God want to give? You know what God wants in your life? How will he not with him freely give all things? Don't be, don't, don't be fooled. Don't, don't get the idea that, well, I don't want to submit this area of my life to the Lord because I know he won't let me go do these things that I really want to do. I know he won't let me date this girl. He won't let me date this guy. I know he won't let me do this with my money. I know he won't, whatever the case may be, I know he's not going to want that. You know why? Because he wants to give you all good things. Because he loves you like nobody else could ever love you. He loves you more than you could ever love you. He loves you more than anybody could ever love you. Therefore, he can be and should be number one in your life. Let's all stand, please. And Miss Sonia, if you wouldn't mind coming playing softly. This is challenging tonight. I don't want to try to stand up here like I'm some super saint or anything. How can I talk about these struggles? How can I talk about the struggle of putting Jesus first in every area of your life? You want to know how? Because I struggle with it. Man, that's a shame to admit. <laughs> I've told it many, many times before, but I will tell you. I don't know why and how I can struggle with it still. Because I had the hardest time surrendering to the Lord. Come on. That's all right. Come on down. That's all right. If the Lord's dealing with your heart. Just come on. Don't have to hesitate. People will let you out if you need out. People will let you through. Uh, but I had such a hard time. I thought, but if I surrender my life, if I put Jesus number one in everything, what if he tells me to do this? I remember dating Melanie. I remember thinking, what if I told the Lord I'll do anything? And what if he tells me he don't want me to be with Melanie? What if he tells me he don't want me to marry her? I was scared to risk that. I struggled with that for a long time. I'm telling you, I, I struggled with it. But thank God for the day I got in an altar, just like this one, right? Just, you know, middle left, just a little bit, that I got in the altar and I said, okay, Lord, here it is. I surrender all. And I'll tell you, I've not been the same since. Now, do I still struggle? I do. But I just want to challenge you. Thank you, Miss Sonia. She's playing only trust him. <laughs> Only trust Him. Can you trust Him to be the Lord of your life tonight? Can you trust Him to put Him first? Can you trust... Man, it's a lot better way to live. About like the old lady, you know, she was a worrier. Any worriers among us? I don't think there is. I think you've all got victory over that now. There are some worriers among us, I understand. She was a worrier. Man, she just worried herself sick. You know the type. Everything's going good, and boy, they've got to find something to worry about. Why is everything going so good? This must be the calm before the storm, you know. Worried, just getting hard. She, she got to where she couldn't hardly sleep at night. She's making herself sick. Finally, one night, she just asked the Lord to help her. And boy, that night in her devotion, she came across the verse. The Bible says, how that the Lord never sleeps nor slumbers. And she said, right then and there, God spoke to her heart. And she said, well, Lord, I guess if you're going to be up all night, there's no need in both of us staying up. I'll just leave it with you, amen? I'll just leave it with you. Hey, are you here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior? Man, He loves you tonight. He wants to save you if you're not saved. Can you trust Him?
Why don't we sing a line or two of that song? I think it'd be appropriate tonight. Well, let's sing it. Sing it out from our hearts. Encourage one another. What's the page number, Sonia? 163. I don't have a hymnal up here, so you'll have to help me. That's one way to help. Come.